We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. I am one of your hosts, Christopher Kidd, and I am joined by this guy over here in almost at Indianapolis. But then I realized, Chris, we're three weeks ahead, and right now Mike is actually on the road. Oh yeah, Mike, I'm in Minneapolis in my hotel room. Oh, the AC just turned off. That's good. That was loud. <laughs> Why would? The, yeah. Is it hot still out there? Uh, yeah, it was snowing in the arena. Um, huh. they have like fake snow. That Look comes that. down from the it's, it descends from the heavens. Um, this is the loudest stadium in the league, too. By the way, oh, wow. pyrotechnics, fireworks. When they score, it sounds like gunshots. Um, they got a big little Viking horn thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's good. Yeah, that was good. Um, you, it sounds like that. Um, it's really loud in there. So yeah, I'm fresh off the Seahawks losing again to another team that they probably are better than. Though, I'm not so sure now. The Seahawks sitting at one and two. I'm not sure whether they're better than the Minnesota Vikings or half the damn NFC right now because it looks pretty bad out here. This was probably their worst performance of the year. It's a early, it's really early, three weeks in a 17-game season. But, man, like, we're going to get to some questions. People asking us if they should panic. I'm not sure if that's how far I'd go. But it is definitely, the Seahawks are in trouble. Big, big, big trouble. Well, before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. I don't even know why Mike hasn't written down. You guys probably know where to follow Mike. You know, he's the big superstar. So if Mike wants to tell you where he can follow, where, where can they follow you if you wanted to show that love, man? I'm just going to encourage all of our audio listeners. Tune into the YouTube channel, man. We need yes. the views. We need the views. We appreciate it, man. We appreciate the views, um, the comments, the likes, the dislikes even. That means you engage in. So we appreciate all that. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's just follow us on YouTube. Seahawks Man to Man, please. Yes, please do. Our goal is 1,000 subscribers. You still listen to it on, on the audio. Just go subscribe to the YouTube part. Um, and I'll give a trick before we get into the full podcast. There's an app called um, Muzi, I think is what it's called. M-U-S-I. It allows you to access YouTube on an iPhone without... You can listen to YouTube stuff and you can click out of the app and still hear it. So I do that actually a lot. So 
Even if you're like, man, I'm Mike, I'd be listening to it on my drive. It's not listening to the YouTube. Download Muzi, M-U-S-I, and you could just go to our YouTube there, and then you could still have it on the audio version if you're in a car walking your dog or whatever. So it's a little trick there. That way we still get the views, and you still get to listen to it, but you don't have to watch. So there you go. Boom. Hacker, hacker tip or whatever. Life hack. There you go. Life hack from yours truly. Where should we start, Mike? There was a lot that went down in this Seahawks ass whooping 30 to 17 on the road to the Minnesota Vikings. Where should we start? There's question we have we talked off wax about Trey Flowers, this defense as a whole. Where would you like to kick off what everyone witnessed on Sunday on the road against the Vikings? Yeah, I want to start with the defense. Um, not because they're like more to blame than the offense necessarily, though I, you can make that argument because the offense what scored 17 points just out the gate and then never scored again for like 40 minutes. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Bad. It's the second straight game. They third straight game. They haven't scored in the third quarter. Um, so that means they're scoreless in that quarter. And then I, I believe I broke down the splits. They already entered this game. One of the worst second half offenses in the league. That's not hyperbole. They were like one of the least efficient second half offenses. Like points per drive, all this stuff, points per game. Like it was bad. Now I'm pretty sure they're probably going to be one of the worst. Them and probably like the Jets or, you know, whatever's going on in New England, like the bad teams. They're going to be, once you're bad with the bad teams, that's them. Um, but I do want to start with the defense because if I have to give one unit the benefit of the doubt, it'll be the offense because they are scoring points, right? Like they have scored points. Like they entered this game second in the league, I think, in points or something. Maybe, maybe not as high, but they were very good. They're very good like offense. At least I know that they can be. The defense though, this is bad. This is this is this is this is very bad. And it's not just bad because they're performing poorly cuz like that's clearly bad. But I don't get the sense that there's an agreement on what is wrong. And I felt that way about the offense last year. Remember like in the second half of the season I kept hinting Guys, I think this is going on behind the scenes. I don't think that they all can agree on how to fix the, the thing. I use how many times I used the pizza analogy last year. Remember with the Russ cooking? Yeah, it was like what was it like? Shoddy wants this type of pizza. Russ wants this type of pizza. Pete wants this type of pizza. But Pete's the boss, so they're ordering this type of pizza. What do you know? Shoddy got fired right now. So it feels very similar. I don't know if I can ID the exact power players the way I could on offense, but it feels very similar on defense. And I say that. Um, because the defense, A, is, like, stinking up the joint. Dude, like, it's not very good. Like, they gave up, what, 500-something yards last year, last week to Tennessee, gave up, like, 400-something today. They can't get off the field. They're bad on third down. They're not getting any pressure. The run defense has now gone to hell. Um, <sighs> Madison came in and dropped 160. Uh, did he? <laughs> yes. On the ground? No. Yeah, I'm I, pretty- he, I, I wrote that he had 112, so I hope that. Um, Maybe I'm thinking yeah. of all of his yards in total. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He had who scared me. He had 160 all purpose. He had 112, which is the same he had last year, by the way. Um, like <laughs> the Vikings are a really good like running backs don't matter example because like they lost Dalvin Cook twice now to the Seahawks in particular, and then just have used Madison and just run all over the Seahawks. So like good for Dalvin Cook for getting paid, but I think the Vikings should take a look at themselves and be like, this was probably a bad deal. Not probably it was, but like everything is going poorly in. Talking to the players afterwards, and I tweeted somebody and told us how this works. So we request players. Since we can't go in the locker room anymore, we can just we have to just ask the PR people to text them or go down there and be like, hey, can we talk to six? Can we talk to 33? Whatever. Some guys you'll get like off to the side. 
uh, coming out of the locker room now because we can't go in there. But you got to remember, it's um, we're not the only people. Like the journalists, like me, Greg Bell, Bob Condota, and uh, Jen Mueller works for the team. She has her duties too. Like she gets a lot of people on camera. Ian Furness travels for Q13. He's got to get his people on camera too. And then there's like, if they win a game, it's like, okay, does NFL Network want them? Does Fox, who they carry the game, want them? There's a lot. There's a lot of attention fighting for um, who gets to talk to the players. So we only got. I think I requested Quandre Diggs, Disley, and who else Trey did I get? I didn't request Trey. Um, DJ Reed. I requested DJ Reed. Um, so no request for Bobby because we all thought he would do the podium, and the podium guys are different. Like. Jamal usually only does the podium. DK usually only does the podium. So it's a kind of a scramble with who we get to talk to after games. Like, I just happened to catch Carlos Dunlap in the hallway. That's why, if you'll notice, I got quotes from him. Like, it's it's definitely a scramble, though, this year. It's not like last years in the past when I could just go to the locker room, sit next to guys, and be like, hey, tell me what's wrong on or off the record so we can help figure this out. Um, so hearing from Trey Flowers today and DJ Reed was very telling, I thought, it's for a couple of reasons. One – Kudos first, kudos to them for wanting to talk after they both played poorly. Like that's hard to do. And a lot of guys in there don't do that. A lot of guys only want to talk after they play well. Play bad, and it's like, I'm to the bus. Don't talk to me. <laughs> so kudos to them. So both of them did a combination of taking personal responsibility. Like DJ Reed just got beat for two touchdowns. Like, that's it. <laughs> there was no like me and Chris was texting during as soon as those both happened, it was like, yo, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are a real deal. Like these dudes are nasty and they just beat DJ on some stuff that DJ can't get beat on. If you're going to be CB one flat out, just cannot. What's the route called Chris that Justin beat him on. So that one was the whip route. He sold the slant route, which I'm sure he might've ran earlier in that game. And then he pumped the brakes, slammed on him, broke back outside. And we saw DJ Reed, his eyes lit up and was like, Oh, I seen it, but it's too late and resulted in six. So that was the whip route. And then on the other one that he scored, the first one was a little shimmy. He, I want to say it was kind of a post corner, but he didn't really, he didn't really sell the corner post. He just kind of like gave him a little hezzy and broke back inside where he thought he had safety help. But great scheme by the Vikings. They sent two posts over the middle. Quandre bit on the first post, and by the time he realized, oh snap, I should be helping DJ Reed. On the second post, it was too late, and that was a touchdown. So great scheme by the Vikings. Quandry just has to notice and not fall for the fake there because I think he would have been in position had he not bit on the first post that came across him because that would be a tough throw to try to throw it in that window, but the play was always for Adam Thielen. And, of course, you put a little bait out there. The fish goes for it. Quandry digs with the fish there and ultimately gave up Gave up six, and DJ Reed wasn't in position as well. So just a rough outing for DJ. And he and he said that he was like, yeah. Look, "I can't. I, I got beat. I can't get beat. I gotta. You know, like I respect that." Trey Flowers was um, similar. He's like, "We gotta make plays," but Trey's comments were interesting because Chris, you you guys saw the replay. I couldn't see it. Tell me what you saw. There was a play. It feels like where Trey looks. It's a big play to Jefferson, I think, and it looks like Trey's expecting help. Yeah, he wants Jefferson's wide open, and it looks like on camera, though. Trey, why aren't you guarding him? So, from ignoring what everybody, what the announcers are saying, it's they're in the, they're in their cover three zone, and we've talked about this 
I think maybe last episode or maybe two episodes ago. Regardless, we have definitely had discussions about this. Off wax and on the show. When a play happens, guys in your zone, you usually take that guy. Mm-hmm. In this Sounds situation, yes. Yeah, exactly. It's simple stuff, guys. When there's no one in your zone and you see your linebacker, he's clearly kind of zoned up, manning, meaning someone's in his zone, but he's he's going with them all the way because there's no there's no other threat. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember what personnel the Vikings were in. In this situation, Trey is solo. Justin's getting ready to run across his face, and some reason Trey's still in the mindset of I can't get beat deep. But there's nothing coming towards you, Trey. You're literally on your own. This is an opportunity to show that you can cheat a little bit. You can take that next step and gamble and make a play. And everyone's like, great play by Trey. He saw what was happening, realized what was going on with the defense, and he jumps it. Instead, to your point, Trey says, huh, I should be getting help. Well, by then, Justin Jefferson has this man beat five, seven yards, and Kirk throws a laser. Jefferson catches it wide open, runs up the field. A1's with hands up. Quandra's like, no, what are you doing? You're supposed to be here. Because if you watch the replay, and Mike, you can watch it on when you see the film later on tonight or tomorrow, on Sunday or Monday, that is, you'll be able to see that everyone literally mans up in their zone. They literally just go to that guy and clamp him because there's nothing else happening. Had Trey done that, it would have been a sack or he would have thrown an interception. Or Trey would have made a play on the ball. But because Trey stays in his zone and says, I'm going to stay in my zone. I know Quandre's there to help. And he's not realizing that Quandre actually has taken the next guy, whoever that player was, receiver or tight end. It leaves the middle of the field wide open. And that results in a huge first down. And those are things Trey just has to pick up on and realize that if there's someone in my zone and there's nothing else happening, I got to just take the risk and go for it. And that's what you see with great corners. Some of the best, they take, they take shots. Like when you hear announcers talk about quarterbacks taking a shot, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best. When there is a defender that jumps offside, he says, screw it. I got Devontae Adams one-on-one. I'm throwing it up. And he does that with basically everybody on his team. Anytime there's a penalty, he takes shots. Same scenario. When there's, Guys that come through the zone and there's no one else in your area, take a shot. We saw that tonight on Sunday night. Jair Alexander, if you guys are watching the Sunday night game, Niners and Packers, Jair is in this zone. He's supposed to cover this area. He scans the field, realizes Kittle's running down. He leaves his area and goes and picks it off. Nine times out of ten, you're not supposed to do that. But in this situation, no one's in his zone. He has the free... when you're elite, you can do things like that. And you think they're going to get mad at him? Absolutely not. They're going to say, great read, thank you, because if he didn't, Kittle probably comes down with the 40-yard bomb, first down, ex- big explosive play. Those are the little things that Trey just has to pick up on, to be honest, and everyone on that defense is not comfortable doing it. There's probably three players on the Seahawks defense that are comfortable with going out and gambling and making plays. One of them was former linebacker K.J. Wright. He was excellent at doing that. He would freestyle. And Mike, you hinted on that. I think it was last week or two weeks ago when Bobby came to the podium and talked about what he saw with K.J. Wright. And he said K.J. wasn't supposed to do that. The play where he goes into the backfield and makes a game-saving tackle behind the line of scrimmage. K.J. wasn't supposed to do that, but he saw what was happening and went for it. 
It's the same thing. Right now, Quandre has the ability to do that. Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner. Am I missing someone, Mike, that you think could potentially just go off on Rogue and make a play? Yeah, I think a lot of the guys could do it. I mean, Carlos did it in his first game last year, actually. True. Okay. Uh, um, I don't know if it was on purpose. KJ made a call at the line. Carlos, in his previous place, I think Cincinnati, was like, hmm, that means do this. In Seattle, doesn't mean the same thing. So he did the wrong thing and ended up getting a TFL. So he can do it. Yeah, okay. Um, what was interesting about Trey after the game was – we were asking, we were asking some tough questions for him. Um, but he said one th- he took accountability, both he and DJ did, but they also uh, insinuated that the scheme was the issue. Uh, and not just in a ways like Sha- Shaquille Griffin used to do this a lot, actually. I didn't use the quotes all the time, but I thought it was interesting. Like when they played the Rams a lot, Shaq would be like, Yeah, no, they had a good scheme, credit to them. You know, we just weren't either weren't prepared or didn't handle their scheme well, yada yada yada. Like indirectly blaming the coaches um quite often, actually. I didn't use it a lot, but pretty frequently um i think trade did the same thing first dj reed did dj reed was like they schemed our ass up he said whatever we had drawn up they schemed us out of it like they they just had counter they had everything they had a they had an answer for all of their answers so to speak that was dj on top of taking accountability he threw that in there um he credited the vikings but was like we got our scheme we got out schemed um today trade did the same but he was a little bit more like interesting with it. So uh, defensive coordinator, defensive passing game coordinator, Andre Curtis, that's essentially a secondary coach, but specifically worked with the passing game in the back end. He's out. He was out. He was a uh, sick, um, non COVID related illness. Um, supposed to be back on Monday, but he did not travel to Minneapolis. Uh, Deshaun shed former player now took over his duties for the game. Trey said that impacted the communication Said the communication was not good. DJ Reed also agreed the communication was not good. They had busted coverages um, on a couple of those third down plays. Trey was like, we definitely missed Andre Curtis today. Um, And so that stuck out to me. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So that implies that who took somebody didn't do their job right. That's supposed to do Dre's job. And that was Deshaun Shedd. Now he didn't mention Deshaun Shedd. Trey likes Deshaun Shedd. They work together after practice every day. I don't know if that was a direct shot at him, but that was definitely not just a I played poorly thing like DJ was saying. I was like, it's a scheme thing. Asked directly about his self, how he would self-assess his play through three weeks. Trey said, it's a scheme thing. He Mm. said, I I want to ask questions myself. He said, we got to find a way to tackle those dig routes, those in-cutting routes, not quandary digs, like digs and everything that cuts in. Um, He said, we got to find, I got to find a way to drive on them, like go make a play on the ball or whatever it is. And he called it a little gray area amongst a couple people. He said, I'll fix it or someone else will fix it. Mm. I guess I got a couple questions myself as a direct quote. But that was very fascinating that when it asked directly about his own performance, he pointed to the scheme first and foremost. Um, there's a lot going on there. But one thing I thought was interesting was that gray area. Because I wrote about Trey going into the Titans game. And I talked to one of his uh, trainers from uh, Atlanta that he works with. His name is Oliver Davis. Go follow him on Instagram. He trains a lot of guys, good guys to randoms. I think he trains like JC Horn. He's trained Jalen Ramsey. He's even worked with Quandre. Um, a lot of guys in the league who are very good at what they do. Um, maybe Honey Badger as well. So uh, I said, Trey, one of the things I talked to about with OD, what they call him, was like, you are a good player. You are in position most of the time. 
But there are plays that you could just then take it a next step and maybe not do what you're just supposed to do, but then do the little extra. Um, there's a play that OD gave me. Um, he said it's how him and Trey got hooked up. He said it's Trey Flowers playing cover two on the goal line against the Niners. It's a two point. It's a two point play. They're in cover two, so Trey's playing off a little bit. Well, Kendrick Bourne just runs a little in like delayed slant and free release. He scores. OD posted him was like, bro, corners. If you're watching this, you can cheat up a little bit. You got no. You got your you get your responsibilities to flat, but you can cheat up because read it. There's nothing in your zone, so you can take that gamble. Him and Trey and OD, they didn't know each other at the time. They talked it out, and then they ended up training together. And that was something OD was saying, like, no, that's what me and Trey have been working on. Or that's what I think the next step for him is. Um, and I asked, knowing that, I said, hey. Uh, no, Greg Bell, I think, asked it as well because I was prying there a little bit. Greg was like, okay, so this gray area, do you feel like you have to operate outside of the scheme to make those necessary plays? And he's like, I feel like I do. Direct quote is, he said, I think I do. He's like, me personally, and he even knew he knew this wasn't going to sound good in the media. He said it. He's like, I feel like something has to change a little bit. That little gray area is going to be different. I'm telling all that for sure. I thought that was very fascinating again because I don't think Trey's the only cornerback that they've had in the past three, four years to feel that as if for, for their own play to be maximized. They need to operate outside of the scheme. And we've seen that before. Earl Thomas would operate outside of it before. Michael Bennett was probably the most notorious for it. He just saw something, just shot the gap. His gap, don't matter. Cliff gap, don't matter. Brandon Meebane's gap, don't matter. Just shoot it, right? Um, so I, knowing that, I asked Trey, I'll say, what's up with the balance? How do you balance that? How do Knowing that, all right, my job says my feet here, my depth is here, alignment. You have all these keys that you read as a defensive back based on down, down and distance, what the call is, who's blitzing, like if Jamal's blitzing, someone has to fill Jamal's zone if they're going to do cover three or cover two. You have to take into account all of this stuff and trust that your teammate's going to be there. So I'm like, okay, how do you balance that versus knowing like, shoot, like you said, Chris, ain't nobody else in my zone, so I can take a shot. Um, he said, I don't know if I have a direct quote on that one in front of me. He was like, I'm not going to go rogue. You know, he said um, – he said, I just got to watch more film, be in tune with the game more. And he paused and was like, man, it sounds like you guys want me to be Sherm. Um, I think Greg tweeted that out. Um, and I was like, no, I don't, I'm not saying be Sherm. I'm just asking you how do you balance that. And he says, um, you know, I mean, of course, Trey says, of course. I mean, if I see something and I know that it's coming, I'm going to go. But, like, I, if, if I don't know if the other guy's going to have my back on this or whatever, then, you know, it's, we're, it's not going to work unless we're all on the same page. And once we get that fixed, we'll be good. So I want to put that quote that's kind of floating out there in context. It's not just I asked, how do you make more plays? It's like, watch more film. Y'all want me to be Sherm? No. It's a very specific question that he was asked about that gray area, quote unquote. And I think that that is reason to be very concerned. It's not defenses can play poorly and fix it. Any defense can do. That. I mean, it's, it's, we've seen it, we've seen it last year with this particular defense. But defenses have made turnarounds before. That, and this is not to say Trey's the only person who speaks for the locker room. There's other guys who are in there too. But Chris, when I heard that, and I sat down and thought about it, read the quotes, and Trey Trey's very similar to Doug Baldwin in that he thinks before he speaks, and he's very aware of how things will be perceived or written or used on radio or whatever. Like he said it in his quotes, like he's also said, you guys can write whatever you want. Um, I asked him how his confidence was. He said, my confidence is high. Like 
you guys can pin everything you want on me. I know I'm playing well. Um, it wasn't as like uh, he didn't like say I, I play poorly as much as like DJ said that, um, which makes sense because DJ gave up two pretty obvious touchdowns. But I thought that was interesting because there needs to be an agreement on what the problem is before you can fix the problem. And like I said, I don't think he's the first corner to be like, or any DB or whatever player on the scheme, linebackers, linebackers have told me this before. What they're asking me to do doesn't maximize what I'm good at. And I don't know how you fix that because everyone doesn't have the freedom to be like Russ and go on a Dan Patrick show and say, we need to fix things and then get things fixed. Right? Like that's not, Trey can't go do that. You know, linebackers in the past are defensive linemen. So, like, I, I, we, I could spout out all these bad numbers and whatever and things like that about what's been going on. But I think, like, specifically what's helpful, helpful for our show is that I am here and I'm talking to these guys and kind of making a read off what I hear. And, Chris, what I hear right now is perhaps a room in which guys are not on the same page as to what's wrong. Like, even Tell the Truth Monday might not be working. Like, some of it is obviously just, hey, win your one-on-one matchups. Like, that is – what football comes down to a lot of the time. That's what they were doing a lot of the time when Legion of Boom was there. Yeah, the scheme the scheme was simple as hell. It was covered three every goddamn snap. <laughs> but when you're doing that, you beat the dude in front of you. That's how you win games. Now I don't think it's not, A, it's not that simple, and B, I don't think they can agree on some of the other stuff that's going on as well. And if having one coach absent like resulted in this much poor communication in that place, uh, that leads me to think that it's not just like, that coach is the glue to keep everything together. There seems to be more internal issues leading to what we're seeing. That was a lot just now, but like, you feel what I'm saying? Like this is I, damn the numbers and all this stuff. Like the people seem to be the problem and not just the, the personnel. Like they got to get in the room and figure this out. And uh, they got the Niners coming up here. So they better figure it out uh, pretty fast. Absolutely. And I think for Trey, what does he have to lose? Right. If I'm, I can't put myself in his shoes and think, what would I do? Because I don't play professional sports. But there has to be a part of him that realizes the opportunity that's in front of him. And not that he doesn't, I guess I should say, but take risk. If I also don't think it's just him, though, too, though. Oh, it's not just him, but considering you talked to him and he yeah. was able to open up and he spoke and gave you some of what he's thinking and him saying that you want him to go rogue. And it's, no, we don't want you to go rogue, but if you have picked up a tendency because I'm sure they all, they all have iPads. They all go to the bench and they look at what the D, what the offense is doing, what the Vikings were doing to them that on Sunday. Hey man, what are you seeing? Okay. They're, they're going in a lot on me. I think I have help, but we don't have, we're not communicating enough. I don't see the help. Maybe I'll gamble this time. Right. That never, I don't know if I don't, I didn't see that happen. I didn't see that on the field take place where he, Ooh, he gambled on that one, got a pass deflection, or, or, he, I didn't see that. It was, hold on, I'm let me staying. ask him real quick. I don't want, because you saw this, I'm yep. sure. Or, what is, how, how much, how much did they show of Quandre being upset after the third? A lot? I would say maybe off top four times of him going like this. Okay, so they showed a lot because it was very obvious, but I don't know what they showed on TV. I haven't watched it. Yeah, I would say maybe three or four times. It could have been more, but it was, a lot, it was a handful. Go ahead. No, because that, because like DJ, I asked DJ about that. And he was like, yeah, like guys, we were pissed. He was like, we couldn't get a stop. And I was like, well, yeah. I know you couldn't. And he was like, yeah, we can't, we can't be arguing on the field like that, though. We got to go to the no. sideline and figure that can't. out. Um, But like, 
Quandre knows that too, though. And it's not to say that he also DJ implied that they were arguing with each other. I don't know what what was I don't know what they showed. Did they show him arguing at a person on TV? You can see there are at least an, a few instances where you saw Quandre motioning to a player like you're supposed to do this hands are right, up okay. like what's okay. going on clearly there was a blown assignment and there was a disagreement no one knew what was happening i saw that from the broadcast gotcha because that 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 is that's troubling to me this is too veteran of a team like dj's only in year actually dj's in year four i think he's in the same draft class as trey i believe um Quandre's, Quandre's in year seven. Jamal's only, he's actually the youngest guy, honestly. Jamal is. Um, so maybe that's something to do with too, but like even Jordan and then Bobby. So I guess Jordan's the youngest guy in the back end, um, back seven. Like I've, I usually haven't seen that before with guys like on the field doing a lot of that. You saw a little bit of Legion of Boom stuff, um, but not a ton. Like that signals some bad too it's not like the end of the world to be arguing like it's fine but yeah, it happens but that is it's stuff we just haven't seen with this group yet and maybe that's a rallying point maybe the that maybe that's what they need maybe talking like on the sideline wasn't getting it done maybe you need to get cussed out at the 40 like maybe that's 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 what these guys need i was curious how much they showed like that's why i requested quandre to see what he would say and he, he was didn't like, want to talk yeah. he didn't want to talk um, which is fine. I kudos the other guys. I don't want to just like knock the guys who don't want to talk, but I do want to acknowledge that talking to us after that is very tough. Um, it's a very intimidating thing. You don't know if what you say gets like portrayed adequately or correctly. Um, like that's why I had to clear up Trey's quote because it was like, mm, I think that's getting put out there the wrong way. Yeah, like it was some damning stuff um, that that was said, and I do think that um, when guys don't want to talk. I do think a lot of it is like they don't want to throw their teammates under the bus or their coaches because I think the scheme can just be the problem, too. I mean, we had Clint Hurt on the show. Remember, we asked him about um, how pissed he was after that Cardinals game. Yeah, with Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they got no quarterback hits on Kyler Murray and 50 dropbacks. And he he basically implied, I don't have a direct quote in front of me, like it, the scheme was bad, right? They thought they could sit back and drop seven and eight a lot, and they didn't send their guys. and the way they were having the guys rush, it was like contain instead of go get the quarterback. Like it was, he was not not having a bad scheme, right? And then the, what happens in the next game? Bobby blitzes twice and gets a sack. Two yeah, times. like clearly they got in the room and figured out, damn this, that plan sucked. Um, so that's gonna happen. That's bad though. This is a hard division, man. You can't, you don't have time to suck. Yeah, I was gonna say you don't have the time. Don't for... suck. <laughs> yeah, the Cardinals don't know... suck. The Rams don't suck. Another thing I wanted to mention was missing someone like KJ Wright. Like yeah. if we if we if the Seahawks were to hypothetically just bring him back, how much of what everyone witnessed on Sunday changes with having KJ just the instinct he and Bobby has, his ability to freestyle and do things that if anyone else does it, it's like, oh my god, oh he, okay, he, he made the play, but don't do that again. Whereas KJ is like, you know what? It's KJ. I don't care. We called this play. KJ ended up doing this. We got a pass deflection. We got an interception. We got a huge third down stop. Those are the small things that I think the Seahawks could be missing when they decided not to bring a KJ right back. When they decided not to extend Shaquille Griffin and pay him, which 
I understand. Yeah, I'm but, not. I don't. I'm necessarily want to argue in favor of them bringing back Shaq at that price point. I do get it. I do get why they didn't. I don't know how Shaq's doing in Jacksonville, but they're zero and three, so he might be doing okay. But well, I, have, I have no idea. Yeah. I, haven't, I, haven't really, I haven't really looked. I will say this on KJ. When it was up in the air whether he would come back, there was someone who has intimate knowledge of the defense that was like, "If we lose KJ, we're lose." That's like losing two people. Mm. That is what that was. I can probably find a direct quote. I think it was a text. Um, it said, "If we lose, if we lose, uh, not Quandre. They said if we lose <laughs> KJ. KJ. Yeah, I'm, mess, I'm messing up my black guys. Uh, they all look alike. Uh, <laughs> kidding. Uh, it was like if we lose KJ, we lose." Um, and this was a player, this was someone else, but it's like if we lose KJ, we're losing two people. Damn near, mm. he covered up a lot of stuff. Uh, and I was, and I, I, that stuck with me. That was in like March, that stuck with me a lot. And this is one of those games where you could see it. Alex, yeah. Alex Madison was like, after the game, he was like, Yeah, we knew we could run screens on him. I was like, Oh, damn, <laughs> <laughs> bring KJ back just for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, man. I don't know how KJ is playing in Vegas, but like that was one of those things too. I was like, mm, "That's bad." Like this is where it looked like, "Oh, missing KJ was like missing two two people as well in the run defense." Um, that I mean, it's, it was not just we focused a lot on the secondary for the reasons I've explained, but I think it's all bad. The pass rush being bad is not working. But even when I asked Carlos Dunlap about that, he was like, "We're bad. We were bad as a." Co-. I said, what, "What's up with the pass rush?" He said, "Yeah, it was bad as a collective." It's not just one unit you can po- point to to talk about the pass rush. We got to work together, back end and pass rush. And I was like, I agree. He's right. But he definitely, it wasn't one of those like DJ said, I've messed up. It was one of those like, no, no, no. Don't write that the D-line is bad. Pass rush is a group thing. Let's figure that out. Um, also telling comment, I thought, because you can, I feel comfortable reading between the lines on some of these things. I've been around long enough, talked to some of these guys enough times. Carlos, not so much, but that was what he was implying. I feel comfortable saying that. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is, this is not, it's not great. No, no, this is, this is bad stuff. But maybe and, this is what this team needs if they want to win a championship, right? You need a little adversity. I mean, maybe it's a little too much because you remember what, at one point, the Tampa Bay Bucks were seven and five last year. I said they weren't going to even make it to the Super Bowl, and they rattle off five straight wins, ending up no seven plus five is twelve. Four straight wins, ending up eleven and five, and then the rest is history. Now maybe this is something that can get things going. I could be wrong, but I'm just trying to spin it to a positive, you know. Well, uh, so here's one positive. I do think the offense is going to get it together. Um, I do have a little bit of faith there. I text somebody during the game. I said, they're going to need to score 35 to win this game. And they replied, yeah, 35 would have won last week too. Like, this guy scored 35. 35 also would have won today. Um, so maybe that's the goal, score 35. Maybe they can do it. They averaged 28 last year. Um, so it's it's definitely doable, I think, um, to start doing that for a few weeks so things turn around. Uh, before we get to the, the questions, the reason we just spent 30 freaking minutes on the defense is because I do think that when that side gets it figured out, it won't feel – because there is a human element to this. I don't think it applies to Russ because he is not human in this regard. But I do think there is something to the idea that, damn, man, we ain't been on the field in seven minutes. We got to make sure we get this right. And then that forces you to overthink and get stuff wrong. 
It's not to say the offense shouldn't just score when they have the ball. I don't care if you've been on the bench for 30 seconds or seven minutes. You have the ball. Your job is to go score. That's just your job. And really independent of the defense, you know, Bobby doesn't play running back, right? He doesn't block. You know, Trey Flowers does not play receiver. It's your job to go score. Though I do think that there is something to that fact of causing guys to press or whatever or not execute or when they're one-on-one matchups or drop a pass or oversell a pass or whatever. And the idea that, like, damn, we really got to score now. We lose him. We'd have been on a bench for eight minutes. And should that be the case? No. Um, should you be able to just score independent of what the defense does? Yes. But I do think rhythm does matter. Flow does matter. The other teams have been in one hell of a rhythm against the Seahawks on both sides for the most part. And I think when, when the D figures it out, you'll start to see some turnaround, I think, on O. I can't guarantee that because obviously last year that didn't work. Um, but I do think it's I, – I can give the benefit of the doubt to the offense there. That's why we spent so much time there. And to be honest, we ain't talked to no many offensive guys uh, after the game. So I, it's hard to get a feel – for what's going on there. Their stuff is behind the scenes. I'll probably learn some of that this week when I make some more calls. For now, the problem unit, I think, with the start, is like 60-40 defense. Defense 60, offense 40. And Right now that's 60. I don't know how much confidence I have in the just flip a switch and turn it around like they did last year. And like I said, I'm, I'm flying to the Bay next week. They better figure it out because Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are coming these next two weeks and it could get ugly uglier i guess i should say you could be looking at one and four Ooh, that would be now that would be bad that would be like panic that'd be like i'm gonna start doing an article with dame brugler looking at the top <laughs> 10 picks in the draft oh wait they don't have a first round pick this nope. year oh man yeah that could be that could be bad i don't think it'll get there i think they'll at least win one of the next two but they have to shoot if they lose both we're going to do a three-hour podcast. It's going to be ugly on here. Uglier. Very. Well, let's do it, man. We did sound off on the defense. Talked a little bit about just everything that's going on. Even touched on about the offense. Can they? Can they? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Will they be better? Chances are they will be, but we'll have to see, especially because you just said you do think the defense can turn it around. But we'll we'll see, man. It's going to be very inter- interesting these next few weeks, but let's get to it. We have quite a few Twitter questions. Mike did say we're going to answer the best ones, and then I believe Mike has also taken his time to answer some of those via Twitter himself. Yeah, so, I did answer some. I'm going to try to answer the best ones that are most pertinent to – the discussions that people want to hear. I think I get a feel. For, we got a feel for what people want to really talk about. So let's do it. Well, this one starts off things from Sam Sudar. Is it time to panic? Not yet. Not yet. One and two is not the worst place to be in the world, though. I mean, Green, <laughs> Green Bay helped them out by beating the Niners. Um, that is true. That that helps a lot. Um, but it's it's we're getting there. We are we are getting there. If they come out of this next two games, one and four, panic, panic. Somebody's getting traded, cut something. Russ and, ain't coming back. Yeah, oh, I think that's that's in danger. Regardless, they need to the <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl to keep Russ. I think, or get to the Super Bowl at least, or get to the NFC title game to keep Russ. I don't. Anyway, so not quite, not quite, Sam. We're getting there though. We're about. 15 days away from not even that because they play the Rams on a Thursday. So we're probably, oh. like, we're probably like 13 days away from panic. So you know, Sam, ask that again in 13 days or whatever. This one's from Orange Monkeys 3. Is there any reason for me from not what? to dr- What was that handle? Orange Monkeys 3. <laughs> hey, right. man. No, it's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Is there any reason for me not to drink heavily for the next several weeks? Yeah, man. I mean, they could still beat the Niners and the Rams. Like, it's it's doable. Like, if nothing else in these first three weeks, here's what I can say that's the most positive thing I'm probably going to say on the pod. Um, if nothing else, the NFL has shown that it's a week-to-week proposition what's going to happen. Yes, some teams, like, show who they are. But, like, what, didn't the Chiefs just lose back-to-back weeks? Yeah. Um, and there's been – like, look at what the Saints were week one and what the Saints were week two, right? They dropped the – 40 ball on the Packers and then uh, score like what 17 points or something like that against the Panthers maybe less than that like well either way yeah they sucked I don't think they scored a touchdown against the Panthers honestly they might not have but like our point is that like yeah some teams the good teams are consistent but like look at the Bucks the Bucks dropped 30 on everybody they just lost by what 10 uh, on the road to a team that I think is better than them um, for what it's worth I picked the Rams Um, so it's week to week some teams can look very different week to week. The Titans looked very different in week one than it did in week two. So that is what I can say, that it can go week to week. This team could look very different and in a positive way um, in week four and week five. Who knows? That's the best I got for you, though, because there is, there's there's game plan, there's scheme stuff. Like, I don't think people realize how specific some of this stuff is. Like, like I know last year they specifically knew that dude on the Dolphins was susceptible to certain stuff. It was a corner. I think number 23, like Noah something. 
they knew he was susceptible to certain things. Go look at David Moore's touchdown from there. Boom. Knew exactly how to beat the guy. That's stuff like that. So week to week, you never really you you can plan. And I think that that's what that's the best hope for optimism I got that they can look in the mirror and figure some stuff out and then look different against the Niners. It's not the same every week. Now, they could just look worse, but I'm trying to sell some hope here. We're 40 minutes in. It's doom and gloom thus far. Hopefully enlightening. It's just honesty. That's all. Yeah. This one's from the homie Ryan Turner. Ryan, what up? At the beginning of the season, it was proclaimed that the Seahawks had the best safety duel in the NFL. Combined, they have no sacks, no turnovers, and neither of them seem to cover particularly well. That's a lot of money for dudes who haven't impacted a game yet. What gives? Keep killing it. Uh, I think that's that's fair to an extent. I'll say I wouldn't say combined they have no sacks. That's just not Diggs' job to get sacks. Um, pointing out Jamal not having any sacks, though, I do, I do think it's fair. Uh, I still do, do still think they're very good. I'd have to look around to see which safety pairings are performing um, better. I'm not even sure which defenses are killing it. Um, right now, I know the Panthers have been playing well um, on D. I do still think that they're a very talented duo. I don't I don't look at them and think talent is the issue. I don't think, Chris, you probably do either. Um, Quandre, I think, does cover pretty well. There has been some, some lapses, I think, here. Though I think when you watch the All-22, with the exception of the 51-yarder that uh, Julio caught last week, a lot of what happens when there's a play in Diggs' area, and I don't, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here, he's turning around and looking at someone very specific and being like, what are you doing (laughs) what do you you know what do you like there was one i guess the titans chester rogers is open lj hits ryan Tannehill's hand so the ball sails in this like row three or whatever i'm like dang what was quadra on that and then i go watch the play soon as the ball sails he's looking at jordan brooks like dog what are you doing um i don't know if he's right necessarily but i do think there's a little bit more when it comes to the safety play but ryan's question is very valid the impact is just not there it's not it's not there teams are hitting seams teams are hitting posts teams are scoring in the direction of mostly Quandre, not as much jamal um quite yet but i think jamal not getting home on a lot of these blitzes he's doing um that's very notable and concerning that has to change that's execution um i don't think anyone's impacting the defense at like a really high level right now at all outside of maybe big al and puna i think are, are and bobby um but even then, hell, they're getting run all over every week now. So, yes, Ryan's question is very fair, though. I think that, like, the whole thing is 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 falling apart right now. This one's from Tony K. Starts off showing a little bit of love. Love the podcast. Keep it up. My question is, last year the Seahawks, they got Dunlap and Adams played lights out with QB pressure. Pete mentioned a change coming. What could be the thing that puts the Seahawks back in position to get to the quarterback? Cousins looked like all pro out there, and there was no pressure. Yeah, no, um, Tony is correct. There was no pressure. I don't have the pressure numbers in front of me, but it was bad. I could see it. Next-gen stats are just going to confirm with some numbers what I watched live. Um, I do think that's where, like some guys even mentioned after the game, this felt like the Buffalo loss a little bit last year. And I told Greg Bell in the press box, I was like, that's – bad uh, they lost the next game after buffalo i was like i wanted to tell whoever said it in the locker room i can't remember now or in post game 
yeah, you know, it kind of feels like Buffalo. Um, and it's, it was like said and like more of like a positive thing, like, oh, we can turn it around after that. Now, granted, the defense did start playing better after that, but they lost the next game in part because they couldn't stop the Rams in the first half um, or the first drive of the third quarter in that game. And that was when the Rams had Jared Goff and he stinks. So um, poor Lions fans. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> brutal. Uh, but to stay with the team, um, I think that, man, I'm not sure what they could. There's not a lot of good players available right now. Like the Seahawks have gotten lucky in the years. Anytime there's a disgruntled player, the Seahawks are in on it. I'm not seeing a lot of disgruntled guys right now. The disgruntled guys were, um, what, Xavier Howard was beefing with the Dolphins um, in camp. Um uh, Daniel Hunter was beefing. Wasn't he beefing? Didn't he want to? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Chad he, told us. Yeah. Yeah. He was beefing. I don't know who else is beefing with their team right now. Um, I don't know who else wants a new deal or whatever. Like, I know Ch- uh, Chandler Jones wants a new deal, um, but the Cardinals are about to just give him up, especially not to the damn Seahawks in the middle of the season. <laughs> so the Seahawks have also been getting lucky that these guys beefing with their teams playing the AFC, like Dwayne Brown, Jadavian Clowney. Um, with the exception of Quandre, but like Jamal Adams, uh, Carlos Dunlap. These guys are beefing and they're under divisions. Sheldon Richardson. That's not the case right now. So not only do they need some dysfunction, they need dysfunction in like the AFC. Like that's tough. That's tough to find. I'm not really sure how they can fix that right now. The only thing that can change is from within. You know, uh, I talked to some people after the game. Sherm things out the window. Sherm ain't coming back. Um, so Sidney Jones. Uh, John Reed, bless Austin. Trey Brown should come off IR here um, this week. I think Trey's ready to roll. But outside of that, I'm not really sure where they can go for help, uh, immediate help. Because they're just, you, they basically just go get disgruntled workers. And I'm not really sure those guys out there beefing, you know, with their teams. I asked everyone in our Slack channel, the NFL uh, group that I'm in in the athletic, I said, hey, anybody got some corners? You know, I'll see what some of my coworkers say. But um, right now, it does not look good for outside reinforcements. They're going to have to just fix it from within, which they did last year. But I'm not really sure if that can be done again until they figure out what the problem is. This one's from Ralph. Do we know what led to trading away a killer with this one? I refuse to believe Trey Flowers outplayed him in camp. Yeah, I- I think that Akello's situation was very similar to what Trey is intimating with his comments. And that is like, well, damn, I, I, I'm seeing the game this way. I want to play the game this way. But um, Scheme says play the game this way. Okay, but how do I decide to play within the scheme and give up stuff? Or defy the scheme and be me. You know, that's like I said, the, Trey ain't the first person to mention that. And because Akello did play well in training camp, um, preseason from what I saw, for him to get shipped off for nothing, he got he got traded for a fifth round pick who's probably right now is like a junior at like Toledo right now. Like not even someone coming out of the draft now. Like, it's like it reminds me of when these guys get traded for a draft pick in 2027 in the NBA. Like, you got traded for a middle schooler. Like, <laughs> that's what they traded Akello for. That tells me that, and Akello's never told me, like, hey, I got beef with the scheme, to be clear. Um, but 
That is my very strong guess. I'll make some calls on that maybe and figure it out. But that's my guess. Is that he was in that same place that Tracy used to be in now that gray area. And probably didn't get the same benefit of the doubt because um, he he hasn't been here as long as Trey has. And they shipped him as far as possible um, for nothing. That is my guess. That he was in that same gray area and decided I'm going to play a certain way so I can be me and be at my best. It was like, well, be at your best in Pittsburgh. <laughs> For real. That's what it seems like happened. It really seemed like it was happened. And I don't think that'll happen to Trey, too. But I'm with whoever asked this question. Um, what I saw at camp in preseason did not suggest get this guy out of town. It, it just it just did not. And I, don't, I think that that's if that continues to happen here, then we got to start looking upstairs. The guy getting guys out of town and are in charge of the scheme. It was Ralph. So shout out Ralph for the question again. And then, well, hopefully, Akello doesn't pick off Russ because the Seahawks will be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. So look how that worked out. Ooh, the Akello revenge game is on. This one's from Jenny. Or Jimmy. Excuse me. Jimmy. Is Sidney Jones really bad? Is there anything Trey Flowers can do to get benched? Um. So I haven't seen Sidney Jones practice or anything, so I have no idea. I watched a little bit of his tape. Um and he's actually good at those in-breaking routes that Trey's talking about. But I do think he's probably freelancing on some of those, um, which is ironic, um, I think. But here's the thing. I do think that um, when it comes down to like switching guys out, or a coach, even, or a player, there's something to be said for just doing something different and trying something different. I think about this all the time, uh, mostly in the NBA, not as much in the NFL, um, about like sometimes you fire a coach just because you need a new voice. You need a different voice. Do you always know if that coach is going to be better? Your new coach is going to be better than your old coach? Probably not. Right? Like, But sometimes you just got to try something different. You have to. Uh, if you're an NBA fan or you know, you're a Blazers fan, you're looking at the Blazers right now. I think they should trade CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons and some other stuff. Make that work mathematically or whatever. Does that make the Blazers better? And does that make the Sixers better? No. I don't think either team gets better. Do they get worse? I don't think so. They both get different. And Sydney right now is different. John is different. Trey Brown is different. Bless Austin is different. I just think they got to try something different. I do. The danger in that, though, if the communication's already not there with the guys who know each other well, what happens when you put a with new blood in there? It probably gets worse. And that is that would be my fear. And that's why Pete said after the game, is like, we'll look into everything. It's like, well, you have to look into it, but that doesn't guarantee a change. Um, and I, th- I think that's the place they're in it's like okay how do we do something different but at the same time if communication is one of our problems how do we know who's the effective communicators and who's not because you can only simulate so much in practice because like your scout team quarterback isn't as good as Jimmy G you know like they're not you're not self-scouting in practice the same way the Niners are going to be scouting you in a game how do you adjust for that so I do think that that's a tough place to be and it's not about does Sidney Jones stink or is Sidney Jones better than Trey it's like okay we need something different but okay we also need guys who are going to communicate effectively how much of that was not having Andre Curtis today I'm not sure uh, but it's not I don't think it's as simple as just throwing new guys out there but at the same time I don't really have a good answer for why they shouldn't throw new guys out there you know I'm kind of talking in circles like Russ but it's it's hard well, I really don't know how to explain what they should do here because I don't 
I don't think they're just shelving Sidney Jones or Bless Austin or any of these guys. I don't think Sidney's just the guaranteed next best guy. He's a bad tape out there too. Um, like Jacksonville fans will tell you, Sidney's not going to fix all their problems. But who, man, I don't know if they can keep throwing out the same four or five secondary guys and being like, Jesus, take the wheel, you know? <laughs> this is from one of our longtime listeners, Mira. Why is the offense struggling in the second half? I think that what's going on with the offense now, such a good example that um, the OC only matters so much, man. We said this, I said, I wrote about this, talked about it on the show. I think Shane could be the best coordinator there is. He is getting a head coach in year 12, whatever Pete is in as head coach of the Seahawks. The winningest coach in franchise history who's essentially the CEO of the organization. He's getting an eight-time Pro Bowler as quarterback who's in year 10. You ain't about to come out here and just make things all brand new. Sure, you can design up some fancy stuff. I think he's doing some really – he's calling some really good things. But at the same time, you look at their offense through a couple of weeks, and it's very, dare I say, predictable. Um, not in that, like, they're not keeping got teams off their toes. They are. I think the, the, the some of the stuff that, that messed with the Colts messed with these other teams as well. Um, but I do think the element of surprise is taken away as we anticipated. Teams got filmed. Defensive coaches get paid too. But look at where the ball's going. It was going to the middle of the field today to start, and then it just stopped. Outside of that ball, Fred, uh, Russ threw over through to Freddie um, in the fourth quarter. You got to look at where, when when push comes to shove, where's the ball go on this offense? You see a lot of stuff outside the numbers. Why? That's where the quarterback likes it. Right, that's just kind of what it is, and you have to operate within that. You got to operate like this. This offense right now is a lot of stuff dressed up to look the same, but ultimately you get a lot of stick routes, which means you go to the sticks and turn and catch the ball. Um, you get a lot of play action deep shots, um, and then you get a lot of uh, little quick out routes, um, maybe some screens built in, some quick stuff to, D to DK or Freddie or Tyler or whatever, and then some fly sweeps built in. It's not. I mean, it's not that diverse and as multiple and as intricate quite yet. Um, I do think they do some good stuff, but ultimately at the end of the day, the guy in charge of the ball has stuff he likes to do. And if teams can kind of plan for that and beat you up front, which is what the Vikings did on the second half and what the Titans did in the second half, then you got these problems. Like I like Shane. I think Shane's a good football mind from what I have seen. But I think people need to remember there's a reason why I was saying an OC change does not fix everything. It's just not going to fix everything. You're, they kept the core players in there. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you got to change that a lot more than that to get a different result. Like they tried to change the least significant part of the equation, which is the, which was shoddy in the OC. That's not enough to fully fix things, I don't think. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This one's from JJ. Hey, Mike, I know you said the locker room seems not to be in a panic state. Will there be some panic if the Seahawks lose against the Niners? Y'all keep up the work on the podcast and the YouTube channel. Appreciate that, man. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, he said it will be panic if they beat the Niners. Probably, probably one and three, because that means the Niners will be three and one. Either the Rams or the Cardinals will be three and one, and then one of those teams will be four and zero. Oh. So they'll be really far back in the division, like a smooth last place. Um, damn. I don't think they'll ever panic until they're mathematically eliminated. I think, um, because that's just kind of what this, how this team's kind of built. Uh, with his leaders, Russ, Bobby, and Pete. Yeah, Russ but, said they thought they could win. They had like a minute left. I'm like, huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, Russ is just built like that. And he believes that too, though. And because yeah. you have him, you have three, you have 54, you you can operate that way. But ooh, lose to the Niners next week, boy. Man, look here. No, no, no. Everyone else will be panicking. The team won't panic for a while. I can confidently say that. This one's from John Bryan. With the ongoing defensive struggles, what's more likely, a change in coaching or a change in personnel? If personnel, which changes could you see them making? Free agent additions or current roster? Um, There's really not a lot of help out there. Like I said, I asked a lot of our colleague, my colleagues what they could help. Uh, personnel is the answer to this person's question, by the way. I don't think a coaching change is going to do a lot. Um, I, I don't think so. I think like maybe you could fire one of the position coaches. I just don't think that'll do anything. Personnel change. But again, there's not a lot. There's not just good defensive players just on the street. You know, there's <laughs> really just not. So the guys out there, man. Not good. <laughs> it's, no, you're going to have to make a trade. But again, I don't see many disgruntled workers out there. I just don't. They're going to have to fix what, from within. Um, maybe as the trade deadline gets closer, then you know team, guys will be more willing to shop. Guys, you'll have dudes on teams who's like teams are like one and seven who are like let's just unload you know guys on expiring deals. You'll see some stuff like that. But for now, in week four, no, there's not a lot of guys up up for grabs right now. They're gonna have to just figure it out with what they got. And bringing in a new guy, unless it's somebody up front, you're still gonna have to acclimate them anyway. Um, yeah. Like if you bring in a, a new DB, they got to learn the damn system now. So that's going to take some time. Learning so they're, curve. <laughs> they're in a bad place if they need to go look externally. But I do think they should be doing that. Um, we anticipated that a while ago. I've been writing about their gamble up front or in the back end for a while now. People keep saying, Mike, they shouldn't have paid Shaq. Okay, fine. They should have had another plan. <laughs> the plan, the plan was not good. And we're seeing now it was not good. I been saying that for a while now it's not just oh mike quit saying they should have paid check okay fine what else you got nothing no okay this is what we see <laughs> yeah yep okay bet let's see how that works oh it's terrible oh what do you know hate to be right this one's from dallas dickinson curious what players on the defense do you guys think can play better than we've seen Getting a feeling the talent ceiling for a lot of these guys might just be lower than we thought. Proud YouTube subscriber. Good to see your faces. Take care of yourselves. Appreciate that, man. Love it. Love the proud YouTube subscriber. Um, which guys can play better? Uh, I think Jamal's one. I think Jamal can just get home when he's blitzes. Not a help a lot to get off the field. He's not getting home at all. Um, I don't even know how close he's getting on some getting of these. stonewalled. Pow. Yeah. It's not, he's not getting the free rushes he was getting before. Um, teams have adjusted to that it looks like as well um, he's one I think Carlos is another um, I think Carlos could win some of those matchups he was getting double teamed a lot against the Titans um, but I think that those two stand out 
Um, I think I think DJ too. I mean, we've seen DJ play better than what he we, he just played, so I know he can play better, um, even against Dylan and you know Justin Jefferson. So those those three stand out. I have to look at the all twenty two to see more of Quandre, um, just because he's not. Um, I gotta really look pay attention to just the back end when I watch him, whereas when I can watch the broadcast tape, I can look at the front. Um, but those three stick out, and they would agree. I know they would. They all know they can get can get better, uh, can be can play better than they have. I think we may be perhaps underestimated the ceiling. Only a person I think we overestimated the ceiling on. Um, and I'd say we excluding myself entirely is perhaps on Jordan. Um, but we'll see. That's that remains to be seen. But that's one where the ceiling is probably not like first round. Who knows? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that ceiling is. But the other guys I know can play better than they're currently playing. This one's from Joey. What's going on with LJ Collier? Healthy scratch. Is this experiment done? Yeah, that 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 that's not looking good. When you're a healthy scratch this early in the season, this frequently, I mean, I think he'll play if Kerry Hyder has that concussion that's going to linger for a little bit. I'm not sure. I don't really know. I don't know how to predict head injury stuff. Um, but yeah, that's. I can see them cutting bait on that. I can see it. Should they? Probably not, because he's relatively inexpensive for a depth piece, but that's that's done i think that that's a done deal and why it's a done deal seems to be entirely performance based i mean you go look at his performance against the titans it wasn't good he's getting knocked off blocks um not beaten not getting to the ball outside of that uh qb hit he had uh that that saved a touchdown it's a very quiet day and i just think that that's that's done the answer um who's who asked that that was from joey yeah, Joey. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's done. That's done. From Nick, is it time to start Pete Gotta Go campaign? What we saw Sunday was awful. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because this is where I think that we'll we'll learn. This is my last optimistic take. I think, which sucks, but I think well, this is where we'll learn how important someone like Tater is. Tater's supposed to be like Pete's right-hand man, supposed to be able to really tell him what he needs to hear. And I think what he needs to hear is his players. And right now it sounds like, at least on D, and I'm sure on O to some extent as well, especially with Russ, I think Pete and Russ still philosophically disagree. You need to hear them and hear them out. Like some of it is execution guys got to play better, but some of it, it sounds like on offense and defense, hearing Pete and Russ disagree on that OT play from last week. You know, Pete was like, ah, Russ should have checked it down. He was like, hey, Russ, do you think you should have checked it down? I was just like, mm, nope. It's like, huh, not on the same page with the coach. Here we go. Like, Two weeks in. <laughs> the le- the saving grace, I think, is going to have to be someone like Tater. Um, Tater to be like, yo, it's Carl Smith for guys, people who don't know. Carl Smith is like the other old guy in the building who's like Pete's right hand man. Um, like, look, Pete, you got to start relinquish some power. Listen to your guys. We got to We got to be different. We got to be different, even if it's not what we're used to. We got to be different. If that don't work, then uh, somebody got to go. But that's probably an end of the year thing and not a midseason thing. Until they're mathematically eliminated, they they're gonna keep Pete and I agree with that. 
Now, at the end of the season, I run that question back. This one's from Gerard. Pete always says what was wrong during his press conference, but why can he never make the adjustments during the game? Uh, Pete actually does not go into detail much. That's usually why I skip his press conference quite often, um, if I can, to talk to the players themselves, because he just does it. He's so vague. Um, he usually just either says they didn't get it done or something, unless it's something very obvious. Um, I do think that one thing about adjustments is this probably the lack of adjustments for some things i think is overstated because like pete will tell you and the players have said it and it, i can i can feel it too i don't think it's coach speak or player speak teams aren't coming out in the second half running completely different stuff tennessee kept running the same damn stuff to derrick henry it was like hey it's like, you know we're just gonna keep running this stuff till it work start working uh the vikings did the same stuff in the first half they did in the second half and it kept working um so i don't think that uh, they needed to adjust as much as it's the stuff I was talking about earlier. It's not like they're losing a chess match necessarily. They might have been on the screen game and stuff, but for what I really think is, um, they're just not on the same page as a unit, specifically on defense, actually on both sides. Um, I really don't think that it's not just simple as Pete doesn't adjust necessarily. Although there could be some of that, but at the same time, it's not just like, oh, let's adjust to this one thing that they're doing. Their guys are just discombobulated. I think so. And it's just not, man, it's just showing itself very, very poor. On top of that, you guys got got guys losing one-on-one matchups. Like it's a combination of two bad things. Guys aren't beating the dude in front of them and everyone's not on the same page on both sides of the ball, I think. I think that's... More than the, like the let's tweak this one thing here, it's 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 like more existential, I guess, than that. Is that the right word? I don't know. Let's go to the yeah. next question before I figure out whether it's wrong. This one's from the optical limits. Why is the Seahawks team regressing instead of improving? It's not like we've played cruddy teams. The next couple of weeks are against divisional opponents who are on paper quite good. Uh, yeah, yeah, Seahawks are definitely the worst team in the division on paper. Um, I do think that compared to last year, I think they're catching the the opposite end of some some like variance and luck that they got. Like they could have easily been one and two to start last year. They probably would have beat the Falcons regardless. Falcons stink. They still stink. Although man, I picked them to win today and they did. Um, but like, Young look cool. at look at look at last year. Oh, Young Way hit one? Good for him. Young Way cool hit the game-winning field goal. Go ahead, though. Um, last year, easily could have lost to the Patriots. Easily. Last year, easily could have lost to the Vikings. Last year, could have easily lost to the um, Cowboys. Like, they caught some pretty good luck on some of those games. And, and some of that was them playing well and making clutch plays like the Cam Newton stop. But, like, you freeze-frame that Cam Newton play, my man just takes three steps to the left game over same thing with madison last year on the fourth down run uh, in the vikings game so i think they're catching the wrong end of that and that shows how little the margin of error is in this league and that's why when you lose guys who help you erase that like a kj you start to start to fall off a little bit specifically when you lose guys who help your passing game i think like kj did kj had like 10 passes defense last year and that was might have been the highest on the team so I think that's they're catching a lot of variance the other way. 
I think, where they were winning nail biters and big moments last year. Now they're just like, all right, that stop you were getting, that big time sack, that big time pass deflection, it's just not happening. And then things just spiral. This one's from Kenster. Are the Hawks a middling team or are the past two games flukes? Okay, this is how I'm going to word this. It's going to be a very short answer, actually. I think the Seahawks have very good football players. I do not think the Seahawks are a good football team. And I do think that's a very important distinction. And that goes to chemistry and some execution stuff, but mostly chemistry stuff. I just don't think it's there right now. They have good players. I think Jamal's very good. is very good. Bobby is very good. I think Puna Ford is very good. And Al Woods, very good. I think these are very good players for what they're asked to do. I really do believe that. Russ is obviously very good. DK is very good. Tyler's very good. I think even Gerald Everett today showed that, like, he can ball. Like, they have good players. I think Will Disley is a very good blocker. I think Dwayne Brown's a very good tackle. Chris Carson can clearly run. It, it's it, that's why it's, this is not as much scheme stuff. I mean, it's a little scheme stuff, but like chemistry seems to be a big issue here. And it was last year. There's was an issue last year too. Yeah. Um, so that's how I answer that. They have good players. Players is not entirely the problem. They do need some upgrades here and there, but they have some talent. Ooh, boy, last... that talent not playing very well right now. <laughs> Our last question comes from Fats McClure. Who's the dude on defense that the team is going to rally around to get this ship right? Obviously, Bobby's the man, but is he the dude in the locker room? I thought it used to be KJ Wright and Cam Chancellor before him. Also, am I crazy or does it look like the defense lacks confidence? Uh, I don't think anybody lacks confidence. I think people would probably assume Trey is lacking confidence right now. I asked Trey. I'm pretty sure also, from more of the context on Trey, I'm pretty sure he was wearing a shirt that said humbly cocky. Humbly cocky. So like H-U-M-B-L-Y. So humbly cocky. I'm pretty sure that's what his shirt said. Um, and I also just asked how his confidence was. He said high as hell. Right, and that's when he was like, "You guys can point it at me, blame me, whatever." Like, I know I'm playing good. So, Trey's fine. So, I don't know if you could be worried about other guys, but I'm pretty sure people are mostly asking about Trey. He was, I've never seen the words Trey Flowers in my mentions so many goddamn times today. Like, it's bad. like people texting me, Mike Trey Flowers is trash. Why is Trey Flowers on the team? It's very bad. Like, it's it's Jermaine Fetty levels of frustration. <laughs> but I think I mean it's still Bobby. Now it was Cam before, and I don't think guys rallied around KJ as much as you guys would think. They, they listened to him for sure, and he was accountable and could help hold other guys accountable, and he was very smart, too. That was part of it, and Bobby is as well. Um, but Bobby's pretty matter-of-fact from what I can tell in his leadership. It's like, this is your job. You do this job. I'm gonna do this job. Alright, you over here. This is your job. You do this job. He does that job and will win the damn game. I think really last year was a lot of that. I think it was a lot of very simple stuff. It's these, it's not rah-rah speeches and it's stuff like the movies. It's just really not like that. Most of the time it's you, job, do. And like, I'll do mine, follow my lead. I think that's a, that's a lot of it. Because um, you, can't, you can't be a leader on the bench. You know, like you got to be balling yourself or else... The other dudes would be like, how you going to tell me to do my job? You ain't doing yours. You know, like, and that's going to be a fair rebuttal. So 
I, I think it is going to be Bobby, but I think there's leadership up in the um, in each position group too, as I talked about before. That's very important. There's leadership in the DB room. There's leadership in the linebacker room. Up front, I'm not entirely sure because I think this most senior dude who's been here the longest is Puna, um, and that's only four years, I think. So and he's a very very quiet dude, and but I do think that helps too. Earl was like that. Guys just saw Earl come to work, do his thing, practice hard study hard and fix it like he was able to and then guys followed so maybe that'll be the case too but i do think they have the leaders the leaders is not the problem at least that's what i can gather so far perhaps higher than the players there's some disconnect and i've insinuated that there is this whole podcast it feels like and i think that's gonna be the main storyline going forward uh but i don't question the leadership uh, from on Bobby's end or even Quandre's end to 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 extend it a little further. I think they have dudes in there who can help hold guys accountable. And that's going to be the word you probably hear all week. Accountability, accountability, accountability. That's what you need. That's what the leader's for, to help hold guys accountable. Now, if I'm wrong about that, yeah, it's, it's, it's panic time. But I don't think that's the case quite yet. There it is. We want to thank every single one of you out there for asking Twitter questions. We appreciate Ooh, all the love and support. We got through a mic like we always do. Yeah. Oh, man. They keep losing. We're going to have some longer podcasts, boy. Well, hopefully they, they win a few games, man. That would be that would be nice. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk it. more positive and how everything looked. I can talk about DK's amazing whip route he put on Ad- or Adrian on Peterson today. That was crazy. That's, that's what started the whip route was DK. He whipped Patrick Peterson off the screen. And then the Viking was like, oh, you want to do our DB like that? Well, we're going to get your DB, DJ Reed, with it. Yeah, if, if nothing else, I would like them to start winning some games so we can start highlighting the guys who are playing well. There's no reason to talk about that right yeah. now when when it's falling apart the way... Like, I think Gerald Everett's playing really well. Uh, I think Dwayne Brown's been lights out. And it's just like can't talk about it you can only talk about that at the end before we sign off (laughs) that's all that's all we can do we can only (laughs) talk about that at the end pretty much uh yeah that i want them to win so we can talk about that uh but i mean hey we got we got the niners preview coming up next so maybe we could be a little bit more optimistic there both teams coming off a loss so man that's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough one yeah that'll be a fun uh, episode i don't know about the game itself but quick hot take before we get out of here oh boy Hot take, hot take, hot take. I can't believe it's come to this. I I think that I think the Seahawks still make the playoffs. Is that a hot take? No, because uh, everyone's expecting that. I think they but still I'll have. A, I still think they still have a shot at the division. For sure, starts on starts next Sunday. That's for uh, damn yes. sure. They gotta they gotta freaking win and win. <laughs> if if they don't win that one, you can probably assume they're not winning the division. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. it'd be very hard for them to do so. I mean, it'd be very next to hard. Possible. It'd be next to You have one team would have like the one team would be four and oh, the Seahawks would be one and three. That would just be. Yeah. I don't know if the Seahawks can sweep the Rams and the Cardinals. They would need to sweep two of their opponents. Yeah, they'd have to sweep the Rams and the Cardinals to, to do Tough. that. Yeah. Tough. That's, that's. Woo. I don't see Matt Stafford sucking two times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah especially think, the way he's playing so i think what we titled we titled the last week's episode um shit just happens 
Yeah, I think you got to put this time because Seahawks man to man, quote, we got to get this shit together. Done deal. This DJ Reed quote from from today. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do it. YouTube thing. Seahawks man to man. We got to get this shit together because they do fast. Time's running out. But we want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. Be sure to, if you look at the bottom of our ticker here, you see, just like the NFL, got a little ticker. Hey, hey, hey. Subscribe to Seahawks Man to Man on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, The Athletic, and more. Remember, also hit up our YouTube channel, Seahawks Man to Man. We'll be back later this week. Mike, anything you want to add? Uh, no, nah, man. I need to get some work done and then catch my flight at 7 a.m. So, and then you get a, get a live radio hit. So, yeah, busy man. Yeah, I'm busy. So, until next time, folks, we go. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.